seated. That's awesome. Good job, guys. Um, it's good to see y'all. This morning, we're going to the book of Psalm. Psalm chapter 125 is where we're heading. And I'll give you just a few minutes to go ahead and turn there. Um, now, I, I don't know how much you guys uh, believe you're affected by your surroundings. Uh, we are affected by our surroundings uh, probably more than what we realize, right? And um, I want to talk a little bit about that today. I want to talk about being surrounded today. And uh, But before we get there, there's a guy by the name of John Barg. I don't even know if I'm saying his name. I, I feel like you have to be a pirate to say his name, Barg. Uh, that's at least how they said it on the video. But um, he is a professor of psychology at Yale University, and he did a study uh, of just things that affect us that maybe we're not always aware of, and so it's uh, how our surroundings or how our environment sometimes plays into uh, how it affects us, and so he did a study, and the study that he did showed that students who took a test uh, full of words associated with old age had worse memory and walk significantly slower than students who took the regular test, okay? And so that's interesting, right? Uh, that if you're surrounding yourself uh, with it just, just even the, uh, the words of old that are associated with being old, it affects you. So this morning we were talking about that. Happy birthday, Aunt Charlotte, because you are getting younger. You're not getting older. Right, we were talking about that this morning as we were coming in. It was like, do you feel old? Do you feel it's like somebody said you're only as 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 old as what you feel? You know, it's like you know. So I, I don't know how you're feeling today, but you think about it. You know, what what do you surround yourself with? So I'm surrounding myself. We're saying young, youthfulness. I feel good. I feel encouraged. Right. I feel energy. How many of y'all's pumped up now? Right. All right. <laughs> so, but he went on, and this was interesting. He he did some more tests. And uh, they, they did another test to where they brought students in that were going to take a test. And so when the students came in to take the test, um, the person giving the test had papers in their hand. And they also had either a warm cup of coffee or a cold iced coffee. And so when they had the coffee in their hands, so if they had the warm cup of coffee, uh, when the, te the person would come in and take the test, the tester would say, hey, will you hold this for a second while I get your papers? And so they would get the test papers, and they would hand the test papers to them and take the warm cup of coffee from them. Then they had another set of students that would come in to take, this, take the same test. And so those students that came in to take the test, when those students came in, uh, the test giver had a, an iced coffee in his hand. And so when they came in, he would say, hey, listen, can you hold this for me for a second? And while they were holding that iced coffee, he would get the test papers and say, here's your test. And he would say, thank you for holding my coffee for me. And he would take the cup of coffee away. And what they did was it really wasn't about what was they were taking the test. It was about their perception of the person giving the test. And so the, what they found was this, is that the people who took the test, who held the warm cup of coffee, had a better perception and a warmer feel for the person who gave them the test, who gave them the hot cup of coffee, as opposed to the person who gave them the cold cup of coffee, the iced coffee, had them hold it for just a few seconds. They felt colder about that person, or they didn't feel as warm about that person who gave them the test and it was so interesting that our surroundings play into how we feel 
and the effects on us. And, and this is, I mean, retail is no stranger uh, to this. They do a lot of research in uh, how they, uh, how, how uh, what the, the music that they play, uh, even the smells that they put out, the decor that is on the walls, all that stuff. Uh, they spend a lot of money to have people tell them, hey, this is what your place needs to look like. This is the music that you need to play. Uh, not even only the music that you need to, to play, but they also have done research into the beats per minute type of music and how that affects people when they're shopping. And so when they spend more money, uh, there are certain smells and there are certain sounds and certain sights. And, and it's amazing how we don't pick up on that, but we're affected by it, right? I mean, so our surroundings can affect us physically, and it can also affect us psychologically. It can affect us in ways that sometimes we're not always picking up, but, uh, but we are definitely being uh, pushed into certain, certain attitudes, or maybe even when you're going out shopping, uh, buying attitudes. So this morning, uh, I just kind of ask you, the question is, what are you surrounding yourself with? You know, what are you surrounding yourself with? Who are you surrounding yourself with today? And so I hope as you look around today, you smile, and I hope that you are, are in good company, right? Some of you are like, I don't know. I don't know. Is this confessional? You know, this ain't Catholic Church. You don't have to confess that this morning, all right? So, uh, no, it's, uh, it, this is, uh, th- this is uh, when we're surrounded by people and uh, certain things, we are affected. So this is, this is the first statement I want you to get today. Who or what you surround yourself with may be what you ultimately surrender yourself to. Who or what you surround yourself with may ultimately be what you end up surrendering yourself to. We talked about surrender last week. And uh, this week, this, this idea of what are you surrounding yourself with? If we are so uh, susceptible to just even these unconscious type, type things where smells and sounds and just visually uh, we're affected by this to where it, it affects our, our purchasing power. Um, what other ways are we affected by that? You think about that, and you're like, yeah, I get it. Because there are times where you've maybe thought about, I work with people who I just cannot stand, right? <laughs> maybe that's not the case. May, hopefully, if you're sitting beside your coworkers this morning, uh, you're like, no, actually, I love my coworkers, right? But maybe that's as difficult for you when you go to work because there are people at work that you have a difficult time being around. Maybe there are people in certain places in your life. Maybe it's even uh, family members. When you go to family reunions, you have a difficult time being around them because uh, there is this, you're kind of susceptible to maybe negativity. Um, maybe they're just kind of always, maybe all these, the Debbie Downer, ah, oh, wah, wah. You know, every time you get around them, you're like, oh, I don't even want to talk to them. Uh, you know, maybe you see them in the, gr- in, in the uh, grocery store, and you're like dodging them, you know, during... <laughs> Did they see me, you know? I'm really going to stand here and look at this box of Cheerios for 10 minutes so I, I don't have to talk to them. You know, and so I don't do that. I oh, know. <laughs> Pastor Ryan didn't even see me in the grocery store. I wonder why. No, it's, it, but, but sometimes we, we think about that and we think, you know, there, there are things that uh, affect us and when we're surrounded by it all the time, people that we're surrounded by all the time, and that definitely has a way 
of affecting attitudes. It has a way of affecting um, our outlook on life. Um, and so we have to be careful. And I don't, I don't think that's anything earth-shattering or ground. Oh, wow, I had an epiphany, a light bulb. You're just like, yeah, that's true. You know, um, I had a guy tell me once, and he was, he was talking to, to, to youth, and he says, show me your friends, and I'll show you where you where you're end up in 10 years. And that is so true. There was a kid that um, I was his youth pastor in Jessup, and uh, he was such a good kid, man. He's an athletic kid, um, had so much going for him. Uh, he played basketball. He was on the football team. He was a running back for the football team. He had so much going for him. And um, I, I knew that in two years when he graduated, he was going somewhere. He was, he was going to play uh, football on a higher level and I just knew it was coming. And um, I remember that over a summer, uh, he started hanging out with a different crew of people. And uh, it didn't take long that I got a phone call. And it was from him. And he's like, Pastor Ryan, um, I need you to come see me. He's like, sure, man. Where are you at? He's like, I'm in jail. And I remember going in, and they brought me into to the county jail and they brought me in and sat me down in this little cinder block room, just a very small room, and it had two, two chairs and a table, and I was sitting there, and they brought him in, and he was wearing this orange jumpsuit. And they sat him down, and I said, what happened? He's like, man, he's like, Pastor Ron, I just, I just got to hanging out with some of the wrong people, and they decided it was going to be a good idea to rob a liquor store, and I was with them. And the entire trajectory of his life took a turn. And his life was affected by what he began to surround himself with. And every bit of promise and every bit of benefit and every bit of potential that felt like it was there just seemed to diminish and go away. And I just, I felt, I just felt so bad. I felt, I, I just, and I could see the regret in his eyes. The things that he did, but now he's got to pay the price for what he's done. And, and so he never went on to, to do the great things that we all thought, this kid's going to do this. And it's because of what he surrounded himself with. And so it's really important that we understand that what we surround ourselves with, who and what we surround ourselves with may be what we ultimately surrender ourselves to. See, there's this temptation, though, to say, well, you know what, I'm going to become a loner or I'm just not going to have anybody and just kind of push everybody away. You can't become a hermit, okay? I guess you can, but it's not really, really good uh, uh, for you. I mean, God uh, intends for you to have relationship. And so when we're looking at this, we have this conversation, I think it was on Wednesday night in our Bible study, we talked about there are certain things in life that we have to remove. And sometimes there are relationships that you have to remove. Sometimes there are uh, places that you have to remove yourself from. But that doesn't mean that you remove yourself from everybody in every place. If you only deal in removal, uh, you're going to be a very lonely person and and, and your, your life is going to lack a lot of things that God wants for it. And so when we talked on Wednesday night in our Bible study, we talked about this thing of remove and replace that you have to remove certain things in your life, but when you remove that, you have to replace it with something good. You have to replace it with something that, something that is better and, and, and people that encourage you, people that will lift you, people that will edify you. Uh, if, you're, if you're dating some loser who's always tearing you down, do not date that guy any longer, right? 
uh, God does not intend for you to uh, to hook, hook, your, hook yourself up with that, right? Uh, he wants better for you. And so you have to think about this. What we surround ourselves with, that's ultimately what we surrender ourselves to. And so this idea that we have to remove things from our, our life also has to be coupled with the idea of we have to replace that with something that is good, something that is uh, the way um, we find in Philippians. Think on the things that are positive. Think on the things that are edifying. Think on the things that build, build up. Think on the things that are praiseworthy. If there is anything, he said, that is praiseworthy, excellent, or good, he said, think on these things. He said, surround yourself with these things. That will benefit you. So with that in mind, I want us to go and read in Psalm, Psalm 125, um, these psalms here are grouped together, and if you'll see, right before you read them, um, there's this little thing, it says a song of ascent. What does that mean? A song of ascent is when um, uh, the Jews were to go, and they would go up to the temple, and so they would make their journey to, uh, to go to Jerusalem to worship at the temple, and they would climbing in elevation, uh, going up into the city of Jerusalem, because Jerusalem is an elevated city. It's, it's up on a hill, and it's surrounded uh, by these hills. It's surrounded by mountains. And so as they're going up, these are songs that they would sing. Uh, these were things that they would rehearse and recount. And so when you get to here to Psalm 125, um, this is what it says. Uh, and it just says, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion which cannot be moved but abides forever. So they're climbing up this mountain. They're going up the hill. And then even up the steps to the temple, uh, they're going up. And these are the things that they're, they're singing. And verse 2, this is what it says. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. I love that. I love that idea. And so the psalmist is really kind of, as he's, as he's writing this down, he's like, listen, this is a... Uh, this is kind of a visual thing that as you look around, just as you're surrounded by these mountains, a couple weeks ago we got a chance uh, to go to North Georgia and, and we were on this lake for vacation. And we took these kayaks and we're sitting out in these kayaks and we're amazed because everywhere we turn, we're sitting on this lake and, and we just turn and look at every point there's mountains just surrounding us. And I couldn't help but be overcome by thankfulness. I said, God, thank you for your, the beauty of, of your creation. Thank you for sharing this with me. God, thank you for the chance that I have to get to be here right now. And so sometimes we need these visual reminders. Sometimes we need these things to remind us that, hey, God surrounds you. And so that's what the psalmist was trying to tell um, this, his people here. He says, listen, hey, God surrounds us like these mountains surround Jerusalem. That's how God surrounds us. And with that being the case, I look this word up, surround. What does this word surround? So this word is a Hebrew word. It is the word sabab, sabab. And so sabab is a Hebrew word, and it means to go around. Obviously, it means to go around, right? Because if it means to surround, it has to have the definition of to go around. It, it has to it has to have this idea of encircling you but it also has a couple other meanings too so it not only means that something encircles you or encompasses you it also means that to change your mind it has this idea that when you surround yourself there's an influence there that wants to change your mind 
there's an influence there that wants to make you think differently. Now, that can be for the good or that can be for the bad. Remember what we said earlier that who or what you surround yourself with may be ultimately what you surrender yourself to, right? That's it. This Hebrew word really falls right into that. It says it means to go around, but it's not just physically to go around something. It also has the meaning to change your mind. So this idea that when the psalmist says, hey, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, God doesn't only want to physically surround us and be around us. He wants to change our mind. He wants to change how we think. But it also has this definition too. It means to go around. It means to change the mind. But it also means to transform from one thing to another. I love that. I love the fact that, that when I think about God surrounding me, that his presence transforms me. I love that fact when I think about when God surrounds me, something inside me has to change. When I realize that God is around me, uh, something has to be different and transform. And so I want us to ask this question as we kind of get here to, the, to, to wrap this up and hear just the last few minutes. What does God surround us with? So if God surrounds us, if, if the psalmist is right and says that God surrounds his people uh, like, um, like the mountains surround Jerusalem, what does that mean? Well, a few scriptures that we can look at uh, are, go to the next, uh, that next scripture I think I gave you. Uh, yeah, Psalm 32. Psalm 32 says this, you are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with what? Shouts of deliverance. Now, some of us, we don't, I don't want to be surrounded with shouts. How many of y'all, you like quiet places? I want to go to my quiet place. I have people shouting at me all day long. See, you get the wrong idea of this. This is the wrong idea. You get, you get like angry shouts kind of in your head. like, I don't want to be around anybody shouting at me. But when God shouts, it's the shout of deliverance. And this is a shout that really encompasses, this word uh, that he uses here for shout is a word that encompasses the joy of the entire Old Testament. It is the joy and exuberance of victory and of deliverance. That's what this word means. And, and the closest thing that I could come to well, to illustrate this to you was uh, early on in the, in the early 90s when the Atlanta Braves went from being worse to being first. Anybody remember that? Anybody remember a guy by the name of Sid Bream? Sid Bream was the slowest guy on the Atlanta Braves. He had a brace on his leg that just, when you saw him run, it's like, he ain't going to make it. That dude, that dude looks like he's pulling 10 Tonka trucks, you know? What, I mean, what is going on here? What is up? Because he is just, he's just kind of lumbering, you know? And it came down to the National League Championship game. This, I think they went to game seven. Um, and Francisco Cabrera gets up the bat, and the Braves are right there on the cusp. And Francisco Cabrera hits one into, uh, I think it was left field. And Barry Bonds from the Pittsburgh Pirates picks it up, chunks it right to the plate, and we got Sid Bream. Sid Bream is on second base, and he's rounding us like, this, ain't, this is not going to end well. He's going to get thrown out at the play. He's the slowest guy on the Braves. Look at him. He can't even run. But I remember seeing him round the third base. And with his brace all up on his leg and everything, he slides in the home plate. And they win the game. 
and they go to the World Series. And I remember jumping. I can't. I think. I think I was like. I was in uh, high school at the time, and I just remember jumping off the couch. Me and my mom. We started high fiving each other. We were like. We started calling people. Did you see that? I called my brother in law. I was like, Did you see what he just did? You know, we were, everybody. The entire state of Georgia was just in an uproar. You could feel it, right? That was the last time we were ever good at anything. But I remember those days. I remember that time. And I remember that joy. And that's what this is. God surrounds us with that kind of joy, that kind of exuberance, that kind of victory, that kind of, man, we did it. It's going to be all right. You are victorious. You are a winner. That is the kind of emotion that God surrounds you with. God's not looking at you. Sometimes we get the picture that God's like, "Oh, oh, you did it again. Look at you. What's wrong with you? We feel like God's just like always on us. Maybe we feel like that because that's kind of how our parents did us. Maybe that's kind of how our boss does us. Maybe that's kind of how, you know, we do people in our life. But how do you know that God's better than us? How do you know that God is always looking for us to hit that potential that he has put inside of us? And when he sees us, he doesn't see us as a loser. He sees us as his child. And this is the kind of joy that he has. He surrounds us with shouts of exuberance, shouts of joy. He's like, listen, I love you and I want you to get that. And so I am surrounding you. It's almost like um, Max Licato. He, he said it like this in, in a, um, a thing that I, I read about about God surrounding us, he said it's almost like a stone being at the bottom of the ocean, that it's surrounded on all sides by water. That's how God surrounds us. There's not an inch of us that is not covered because God surrounds us on every side. And he surrounds us with what? He surrounds us with his presence. He surrounds us with his joy. He also surrounds us. Can we go to the next verse? Go to the next verse. And it says, many are the sorrows of the wicked. But steadfast love. Anybody remember what steadfast love is? Anybody remember what steadfast It's a Hebrew word, hased. It is faithful love. It is long-lasting, loyal love. That is what God surrounds you with. If you ever thought that you are unlovable and God doesn't care anything about you and how can God care anything about me, this right here should let you understand that there are many sorrows that can surround us, but the steadfast love of surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. So I'm going to trust in God because when I trust in God, I'm surrounded not only by his presence, I'm not only surrounded by his joy, but I'm surrounded by his steadfast love, his faithful, long-lasting love. Next verse says this. In all these psalms, it's just the psalmist that says, I just want you to get this picture of what you're surrounded by. It says, for you bless the righteous. O Lord, you cover him with what? Favor. Anybody, you want some favor? Can you do me a favor? God says, yes, I can do you a favor. Maybe you've had people say, no, I can't do that, or they kind of pause, you know. God's always willing to say, yes, I can do you a favor. I am willing to do you a favor because I want to cover you. I want to surround you with favor as with a shield. So we're blessed to be covered not only through God's presence, not only through the joy, not only through the said love, the faithful love, but through the favor of of God. And then the last verse I want to share with you is this, and somebody can come play is this, is Psalm 
Uh, yeah, there you go. Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run the race with endurance that is set before us. I love this passage. I love this scripture because we think about this idea of being surrounded sometimes by people who don't want good for you. Maybe you've had a lot of haters in your life. Anybody? Maybe you've had people who, when they see you, they're jealous of you. They don't want you to get ahead. They don't want you to have anything good. They don't want good for you. And every time that they see you, they just, they're hating on you. They're hating on you. You see, this is the great thing about it. Not only does God surround us, but he wants the church and the witnesses. He wants those who we're called to do life with to surround each other and to cheer each other on and say, listen, I just want to remind you of God's potential in you. I just want to remind you of God's faithfulness to you. I just want to remind you we need each other. Not only do we need God's presence in our life, but we need each other. And we need each other to remind each other of the truth that God is for us. And he's given us each other to encourage one another. So we've got coming up here in a few weeks, we've got Life Group Launch coming up. I want you to really think about that. I want you to really think about um, getting with a small group and saying, hey, I want to I pour into somebody. I want to be that person that helps surround them to help encourage them. So that's coming up on, on August 22nd. I want you to think about that. Pray about that. God, where do you want me to plug in at? Where do you want me to plug in at? Because we're all created to plug in somewhere. And he wants us to be reminded that we are surrounded. Now, I got this last idea, and this is kind of really the thought that spurred this entire message on. Was I always thought about cops and robbers. Anybody remember? You ever play cops and robbers? You know, and maybe you, yeah, some of y'all don't want to, you don't want to admit to it, you know. I don't see that hand. I see that hand. I play cops, cops and robbers, you know. And, you know, I don't know what side you were, what you were on. I always want to be the cop, you know. I'm on, you know, so, hey. And I would always say something like, hey, we've got you surrounded. What? Come out with your hands up. We've got you surrounded. Come out with your hands up. But reading these scriptures, man, I think about it a little bit differently. And I almost feel like God's saying, hey, Ryan, I got you surrounded. You can come out with your hands up, buddy. You can come out crazy. You can come out with joy. You can come out knowing that you are loved and there's, there is great reward for you. You can come out knowing that I am on your side. Ryan, know that I've got you surrounded. You can come out with your hands up. So this morning, I want to encourage you to stand with me. they're going to lead us in a song I don't really know what song this is but whatever song it is they're going to lead us in that I want you to sing